excited to be here today and uh, for two reasons. Obviously because this has been a long time coming, a lot of work. Uh, something I put a lot of work into, others have put a lot of work and prayer into, and I'm excited for that. But I'm more excited because uh, I'm excited because of what because I love church. I love what church can be. Communities of people who journey together on the path of faith, seeking to help each other grow, and helping to change their communities for the better. I've been a part of church my entire life. When I was a child, my dad was a pastor, and even after, during my teenage years, my family and I were very involved in church, going as the cliche goes, perhaps you've heard the cliche, whenever the doors were open, we were there. After high school, I attended Bible college and worked for different churches in different capacities, and even went to seminary, which is like grad school for pastors, to advance my training. So when I say I love church, I say that as someone who has been a part of church his entire life and has invested eight years of my life of higher ed into church. So I love church, but you know, to be honest, there are also times that I don't particularly like church. And that's because if I can be frank or real for a moment, one of our values is we try to be real. We try to have the courage to be real. So if I can be real for a moment, since I've been a part of church my entire life, I've also experienced some of the worst things that can happen in church. When I was a kid, my dad was a pastor in New York City, and he lost his job. And for reasons that I still do not understand today, we had to, I don't understand it even today, we had to move across country from New York City to, to here to Denver, where my mother, mom's family uh, lived. Um, so since that time, I've been a part of different churches and I've had other experiences that I'd rather not you know, remember. But one that sticks with me is from when I was in high school. Now, when I was in high school, I went to a very traditional church, you know, like uh, we sang hymns to organ music, everyone dressed up in a suit and tie, you know, pews that were neatly arranged. It was the quintessential old-timey church. And one Sunday, they were having a revival. Does anyone know, anyone recognize that term, revival? Okay, a few of us. And they brought in what's called an evangelist. Anyone heard that term? Okay, a few of us. Um, so again, a revival is kind of like a special, I don't know, Rich, what would you say? A special, like, church time, I guess. And uh, it's a special church service, and they bring in a special guest speaker who's called an evangelist. And I remember this one particular, this time, really distinctly. Now, during that time in high school, I was working at McDonald's. Do we have any McDonald's former employees? Nobody. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I'm the only one who had America's first best job, McDonald's. So I was working at McDonald's. I usually would work Saturdays and Sundays. And I was working at the McDonald's over on 38th, it was about 40th and Wadsworth. Anyone ever been to that McDonald's? Okay, a few, thank goodness. I thought I was the only one who just eats fast food all the time. <laughs> but seriously, so I was working at the McDonald's on, on weekends, 
And on Sundays, I'd go to work after church. So we'd go to church with my family, change in my work clothes at church. Then my family would take me to McDonald's and work one to five, then come back. Uh, they'd pick me up, and we'd go back to church for the evening service. Y'all are lucky. We do not have the evening service, so you're off the hook. Um, so that was what i do. And it was on one of these Sundays that the revival was happening, and there was this guest speaker, the, the evangelist. And he spoke on this passage or the story in the Bible this parable that Jesus tells called the wheat and the tares. Has anyone ever heard of the wheat and the tares? A few of you? Okay, I hear some head, see some head nods. So the basics of the story is that there's a farmer who plants a crop of wheat, and in the night when the farmer's sleeping, his nemesis comes and plants a bunch of uh, weeds amongst the wheat. So being as you can't really tell, uh, as they're sprouting, you know, weeds from wheat, the farmer was then just forced to wait for it all to grow up and then do the laborious work of pulling out the weeds and throwing them into the burn pile, right? So I guess that's one way to get back at your neighbor. If your neighbor has a garden, just plant a bunch of weeds, although, I, I mean, it's Colorado, they grow anyway. But that's one thing you could do. So interestingly enough, this evangelist spun this story in a way to say that there were wheat and weeds in the church. And that was very hard to tell apart who was who. And get this, that eventually God would just send the bad ones to hell to burn forever. I mean, can I be real for a minute? Orlando, I'm mad at you that you're laughing right now. Because you don't know how much this story messed with me. Um traumatized me when I was like 16 years old. <laughs> I'm glad you can laugh because it, it should be laughed at. Um, yeah, thank you. So I remember that day though, and I remember church ended and I got to my McDonald's uniform, right? Black pants, I think it was like a, I think it was like a pinkish top, it was terrible. Got to the car, rode with my family down Wadsworth Boulevard, and I remember, particularly remember, sitting there in the left turn lane, driving down, getting ready to turn into the McDonald's parking lot, just being convinced, I mean 100% absolutely convinced that I was going to hell, that I was not a Christian, and that worse, really, there was nothing that I could do to change it, because Let's, let's be honest, if, if me, you know, someone who had been in church his entire life, someone who thought that he believed in God and Jesus and followed the Bible and all that, that if I was a weed, there was nothing I could do to change that. Have you ever felt, I mean, it, it still messes with me even thinking about it this morning. Have you ever felt in your gut just that just that utter feeling of just terror. Like, just so scared that you were just sick to your stomach. I mean, that's how I felt. And it's bringing up emotions, even even with me right now, some, gosh, 20 years later. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that's how much that terrible, twisted message stuck with me. Still sticks with me. You know, what's interesting is I was writing this message and thinking about this. Um, 
I remember just countless times when I was in high school, just laying in my bed at night, just praying to God, God, please don't send me to hell. Please save me. And I never really had connected the two, and maybe, maybe I could do some deep counseling work with Katrina, and Katrina could get into my psyche and see if they really were connected. But I sort of wonder, I never had connected the two, and I wonder, like, maybe that's where it all started, this message. That one message from that one evangelist. Now, do you know what the word evangelist means? Rich, what does the word evangelist mean? Someone who's supposed to share good news, the carrier of good news. Wow. That one message from that one guy who was supposed to carry good news did not carry good news to me. You know, I wish I could say that I'm the only one who has experienced deep and lasting hurt from church, but I know I'm not alone. If you're here today, it's likely you've experienced hurt in some capacity from church in some way. Now, let's be fair, right? To some degree, that's the risk we take, because we are all, after all, imperfect people doing our best. So, we often come up short. So, uh, let me say that from the beginning, this is our first Sunday. We are going to make mistakes. We are not going to be perfect. So, if you're looking for a perfect church, this is not going to be it. But also, it's another thing when churches systematically manipulate and exploit people to advance their own agenda. And that's one thing we are not going to do here. Like when an evangelist emotionally manipulates people to increase conversion numbers, or when a church tells you that who you are and who you love is inherently wrong, or when a church denies very real feelings of, or very real experiences of abuse and neglect. These are all very real things that happen even to this day in church. You know, when I was when I was doing the work of telling people about mission gathering, I remember talking to one person who you might have experienced yourself. The, the story they told me is they were visiting a they were visiting church with their family in this well-meaning, I guess, older member came up to them and said, do you have God in your life? Because if not, you're going to hell. That's one way to do it, I guess. Um, churches more often than not have not been a place that welcomes your doubts or your questions. We are a place that welcomes your doubts and your questions. You know, this last Thursday, does anyone know what last Thursday was? Rich, I'm putting you on the spot. You should know this. Oh, National coming out day, right? Okay, thank you. Yeah. I don't know, make a joke at Rich's expense, but I'm not. But um, National coming out day, when folks are encouraged to reveal their true selves, right? We know this to be true. There are countless stories of LGBTQ plus persons who, upon revealing their true selves, to the world were often judged and shunned by their churches, even killed. Matthew Shepard, we think about 20 years ago, was it this last week? 
I'm also thinking about that this month, October, is also the year, one year anniversary of the Me Too movement, in which countless women shared their stories, previously untold stories, of sexual abuse and hurt. Shortly thereafter, there was this one woman, Emily Joy, who created a new hashtag, kind of off the Me Too hashtag, called Church Too, in which she began to share and encourage others to share their experiences of, of abuse or neglect uh, in church from church leaders or uh, church leaders not listening to their stories and keeping them safe. So, again, I say this as someone who loves church, but church for a long time, thankfully not all churches, but many churches have been a place that have a, has a bad, often deserved reputation for being a place of danger and hurt rather than a place of safety and healing. So this morning, I, I want to say that if you're here and you've been hurt by church in some capacity, you're not alone. We're here for you. There's a story in the Bible that I love that talks about religious leaders, and let's be honest, men, because that's often who's at fault, if I can take some ownership, who have tried to hurt a woman using religion as their weapon. The story comes from the Gospel of John, which is um, the, in the New Testament and the second part of the Bible. And gospel means good news. So the, the writer John is trying to tell some good news about Jesus. And one of the ways he's trying to tell this good news is by this story about this woman uh, who's caught in adultery. So if you'd like to follow along, uh, we have the words on the screen. It comes from uh, John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, if I can find it here. So the story goes that while Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, early in the morning he came again to the temple, and the people came to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and making her stand before all of them, he, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law of Moses, that commands us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They said this to test him so that it might have uh, some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with a woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. So basically, the, the story has three parts. Jesus is hanging out, and some religious leaders drag this woman who, let's be fair, had allegedly been caught in the act of adultery. So, trying to trick him, they ask him, hey, uh, in the law of Moses, it says we should stone her. What do you think we should do? So, Jesus, being the curious guy that he is, he, he squats down and, you know, starts, I don't know, what do you think he was doing in the dirt? Writing, scribbling, who knows? They keep on questioning him, so he kind of gets impatient, stands up and says, 
Okay, here's the deal. Whoever among you is without sin, you should be the one to cast the first stone. And then he squats down again, begins writing. And one by one, they leave, dropping their stones, until all that remains is him and the woman. So he stands up, and he says to the woman, Woman, where are your accusers? She says, they're all gone. And she, he, Jesus asks her, is there no one to condemn you? She says, no. He says, then neither do I condemn you. Go on and live a new life. It's pretty powerful stuff. There's three things that I think are really cool from this story. Or, no, let me say it again. There's three things I should point out. One, what's the first most obvious one? Where's the dude, right? Somehow the dude got off the hook. I mean, let's be real, right? So where's the dude? Second of all, and this is more positive one, Jesus, rather than treating this woman in the same dehumanizing and demoralizing manner, he stands up and talks. I mean, like he was given the, the religious leaders the, you know, whatever this is about, just like ignoring them, he stands up and talks to this woman, treats her as an equal to them. And third, this woman who the religious leaders wanted to condemn to death, Jesus obviously does not condemn, but invites her to a new way of life. Whereas the religious leaders had to create a place of danger and hurt, Jesus created a place of safety and healing. You know, this morning when you came in, shaking off the cold and the snow and, you know, getting your jackets off, Hopefully you saw it, because I had to try to have lots of signage out there. But you probably noticed that I had a, the word sanctuary with an arrow pointing in here. And perhaps you thought, well, that's a weird word. Uh, does anyone know what the word sanctuary means? Paul. Holy place, set apart place. Holy place, set apart place. Good, that's not the word I'm looking for. <laughs> what else? Safety, yeah. But Paul's right, too. But thank you. Um, so notice we didn't use the word worship center. All fine word. We didn't use the word worship space. We used the word sanctuary because we want you to know and anyone who comes here that this is a safe space, a place of healing, a place of growth. So this morning, if you've been hurt by church, we want you to know that you're safe. Let me say that again. This morning, I want you to know that this is a safe place. Like the woman, whatever your past, we are not here to condemn you. We are not here to put you in danger or to hurt you. Rather, we are here to create a place of safety and healing where you can become the person God made you to be. And we want to share that good news with you. So if you're here this morning and you've been judged or ridiculed because of your doubts or uncertainty, I want to say that we welcome you no matter what or where you're at. If you're here this morning and you've been excluded or judged because of who you are and who you love, I want to say that we welcome you and we affirm you. And if, you, if you're here this morning and you've been abused or rejected by people you thought you could trust and were supposed to keep you safe, I want to say that we hear you, we support you, and we believe you. This is a safe place. This is a sanctuary. 
But let's remember, there are more characters in this story. Who are the other characters? The men, right? Trust me, we can take it. Like, we've had it good enough for too long, we can take some of the abuse. I'll speak for my fellow cis-hetero men, right? So, again, if I can be real, it's possible you're here this morning and you've been the one doing the judging or the ridiculing. You've been the one doing the excluding or dismissing. You've been the one carrying the stone. I want to say that I welcome you to drop your stone and start a new way. You know, as I've gone around the community talking to different people, I've encountered, I've encountered people who weren't through, too thrilled to hear about our welcoming and inclusive message. They thought we should be doing a little more judging and excluding. So if that describes you, or someone you know maybe, I want you to know that this good news is for you as well. Because this good news is for everyone. So whoever you are, wherever your past, wherever you come from, we aren't going to judge you for your past. This is a safe space. Whatever your background, we invite you also to a new way of living. So at its core then, this morning is an invitation. It's an invitation to a place of safety and healing here together with us. And even more, this good news, good news can be for more than just those of us gathered here today. Together, together, we can bring this good news to the community of Thornton, to the people of the Northeast Denver Metro. By working together, we, you and I, we can create a place of safety and healing and growth for countless other people. We all know people who have been hurt by the church. We all know people who could use a safe place to grow in. I think we all know people who could use some good news, right? Some good news. I think we all know people who could use to be a part of this thing we're doing, that we're doing together. So this morning I wanna invite you to be a part of it. Invite a friend. Sign up online, our website, you can go to it, mission, or mgthornton.com. Spread the word that Mission Gathering is a progressive, inclusive Christian church sharing the good news of God's love and welcome for everyone.